This is the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Patrick Farrell. For those of you who are new around here, uh, we are Triage Method. That's the name of our business. We're a coaching and education business. We focus on all things related to health and, fit, health and fitness. We generally take more of a, I guess, health-focused approach uh, to the, the process of uh, improving one's body, improving one's performance, etc. or at least we like to think that, but this is our podcast. And um, yeah, Patty, before we get into things, how are you this week? As per usual, I am positively fantastic, Gary. Could not be better. Well, I actually could be better if we were allowed to do some jujitsu, but mm. look, that's supposedly, which is actually funny because I was listening to our last podcast that we recorded, which came out on a Thursday, um, which is probably two weeks behind now. But anyway, look, that's beside the point. We were saying in it like, oh, I hope you were, we were basically slagging you being like, oh, I hope the place doesn't close down in Cork and Kerry and literally the next day. Well, not the gone. Day, they were like, see you later. Um, so yeah, gone. we're, we're still under lockdown. Well, quasi lockdown. Um, it's not great, but look, it is what it is. Um, Anyway, no jujitsu. When that comes back, I'll be a happy camper. But yeah, what are we going to talk about today, Gary? Yes, today we're talking about um, diet history, uh, which is an interesting one because a lot of the time what we talk about on the podcast, um, you know, are various topics related to nutrition, related to diet. And we always bring up these these kind of concepts that, you know, there are many different ways that you could potentially have a healthful diet, or there are many different uh, things that we have tried. But what we've never really done is actually gone through the different things, uh, the different steps in our own evolution in terms of nutrition. Obviously, we could do the exact same thing as it relates to training, but today we're going to focus on nutrition. So what I would like people to get from this podcast is to look at, I guess, the evolution of where we entered uh, the fitness industry, you could say, or just the process of improving our nutrition. We both have different starting points, but I'm sure there'll be some common points as well. Um, so that you can kind of, you know, regardless of where you are on that spectrum, you could be, you know, day one, just trying to sort out your nutrition, listening to this podcast, or you could be a seasoned veteran, you know, you're a trainer for 10 years or whatever, but I'm sure you'll be able to identify um, certain relatable points uh, along the way. And hopefully, if we do discuss the different steps and the decisions we made, maybe you can avoid potentially making some of the mistakes um, if there are mistakes uh, along those steps. So for me, also, anyway, just, just on ahead. that as well, I think it's also important that people realize that it's not like we just woke up one day and we knew everything no. about nutrition. Like it is a process. Cause like we were just actually just talking about this in terms of what our business, cause we always do a little bit of a business review before we do these podcasts in case you were wondering. Um, but um you know, we were just talking about the growth of our business over the next few years. And it is the same in terms of how you build nutritional knowledge or training knowledge or health knowledge or whatever it is. Like you can look at these companies or in this case, these other individuals that have all their nutrition together, have all their, their stuff together. And you can be like, oh, Jesus, I don't know as much as them, you know, or I don't, I, I can't do what they do, you know. Um, but in reality, it's like, well, like you don't see the 10 years that built up to that point you know so i know a lot of younger coaches especially listen to this and they're kind of in a position where they're like oh jesus uh like they seem to be talking about all this stuff and there's a lot of you know extra stuff that i i, I don't i hadn't even considered and that's perfectly okay like 
you're not going to know everything straight off the bat, you know? And this is if you're a coach yourself and obviously if you are just trying to get in better shape overall, it's like you're not going to have things perfect from the start. And even you think right now you have everything perfect, like realistically, it's probably not. There's probably something that is going to change in the future, either with your your life, with your goals or, you know, whatever, or your approach itself might change. You might learn new information or, you know, have access to better tools that allow you to manipulate different variables. For example, like when we grew up, there wasn't really like activity tracking watches, you know? So like that component of, we'll call it nutrition or lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, where it's like, you're able to manipulate the amount of steps that you take per day. Like that wasn't really easily accessible. Like, yeah, you could buy a pedometer, but like most people weren't. (laughs) And now it's like, yeah, your phone does that. Oh yeah. Your watch does that. You know, it's just easy, you know? So in the future, your approach could change with technology, technological advances. And, and obviously, you know, the more knowledge you learn, but basically I wanted to state that we didn't come to, knowledge just straight out the gate and neither will you you know yeah and i think i think a good way to kind of introduce this conversation is to realize that your perspective on nutrition or your perspective on the world in general is going to be shaped by where you started out so for example someone coming into bodybuilding is going to have a different perspective of what nutrition means versus someone coming into uh, endurance training let's say you know just like if you're from uh a a farming house um, in rural Ireland, you're going to have a very different perspective on the world from someone in a penthouse apartment in New York. And if you were to discuss different social issues, you're going to have very different perspectives on those things because of where you came from. It's, you know, you have a different way of looking at the world. And when it comes to nutrition, if you've come into nutrition from the perspective of bodybuilding, okay, your initial goal, and this was kind of, this was kind of my goal. And this is, this is why it's, why it's relatable. Like when I got into nutrition first, my goal was, okay, I want to, I want to build muscle. I want to get bigger. I want to be less skinny. I was quite skinny. You know, I didn't have much muscle. I was very weak. I still don't. I was very weak. Still am. Um, But my, my fundamental goal was, okay, I have to get heavier. I have to get bigger. I have to get stronger. So my decisions as they related to nutrition were related um, solely to that. Whereas if someone was coming into nutrition from the perspective of an endurance athlete who is weight neutral in their approach and that they're not thinking about weight as even being a variable, they're just thinking about performance, then the variables that they begin to look at are very different. And then obviously if someone's coming in and they're, you know, um, they have obesity and they're unfit, uh, their primary goal is just to lose weight to improve uh, certain biomarkers of health, let's say, uh, because maybe their doctor has had some concerns. Then again, they're looking at nutrition from a different perspective. Okay. So for me, when I first got into managing my nutrition, my sole goal was I want to build muscle. Um, I want to get stronger. That was pretty much it. So as a result, like, where did I go? I went to places like bodybuilding.com, um, looked at the forums there. Bodybuilding.com used to, used to and still do have a lot of like sample diet plans. And, you know, there'd be like Chris Gethin's like shortcut to size and those types of things or 12 week body transformation. And just looking at, you know, what people were saying about those things, what was on the forums, you know, the, the bodybuilding for bodybuilding.com forums used to be a really popular place of discussion, other places like uh, T nation and other bodybuilding related websites and, and YouTube as well. was actually a 
big thing for me. I used to watch a lot of YouTube videos of like days of eating of bodybuilders and see what they'd be eating and stuff. And as a result, you kind of come across these very common themes when you look at all of those places, or at least you did uh, back then. When I say back then, like it's only like seven or eight years ago. It's not not that long ago. Um, The fitness industry is completely different than when it's changed a lot. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm still basically like half a generation before you as well. Yeah. Yeah. My experience is even different again, but go on anyway. Yeah, I'm 25. What age are you? 28, 29? 29 in January. 29 in January. There you go. So I'm 25. So I initially kind of got into, I suppose, the gym slash managing my nutrition at 16, I think. Yeah, around 16 or so. So nine years. Um, God, that's I've made pretty poor progress for nine years of training, but here we are. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, the back 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 then, back in the day, uh, bodybuilding.com forums were actually a very popular place of discussion. And a lot of the people that you actually see as like thought leaders um, in nutrition now, they actually would have been in those forums and discussing these things. And even before that, in the 90s, when I was only a, a little kiddo, you know, this is where a lot of people used to have those conversations before Facebook, before um, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Um, so I, that's what, that's what I did. And as a result, I kind of came out with this, you know, typical bodybuilding approach of I'm going to eat clean foods and I'm going to eat a lot of them. All right. That was my approach. I didn't initially start, um, tracking calories. I think I came across the whole, like if, if it's your macro slash flexible dieting thing, probably sooner into, into my training career or nutrition career than a lot of people do. But initially it was just a case of I'm going to eat clean, clean foods and I'm going to eat a lot of them. And my idea of clean foods were things like, uh, various meats. It was mainly like chicken and mince and steak that I would eat. Um, I would eat, I gradually started to expose myself to eggs at that time because I saw so many bodybuilders eating eggs that I was like, I can't not eat eggs. So I started eating eggs. Um, I used to drink pints of milk with my, you know with my meals. Actually, just before we get into this, we should also just do a little quick primer in terms of your childhood as well, in terms of your exposure to nutrition up That's until point. the point, point there, because like you're saying, oh, I exposed myself to eggs. Yeah. It's like for a lot of people, it would have been like, yeah, I had eggs on a weekly. But obviously this goes into like your socioeconomic status, et cetera. Um, obviously everyone comes from a different position. But what was your, your child? childhood experience with nutrition like now obviously don't fucking start off and be like because if you do this i'll kill you you're like oh well i actually was breastfed at first and and then i uh went on to solid food but anyway go on um yeah like my my mom always says to me that i was actually a a great child when i was quite young for eating um that I, i used to eat like everything i used to eat salmon and fish and everything when i was small before i can remember and now i just just about eat salmon um but but as i kind of got into um later into my childhood i think i was a bit more of a fussy eater um but i don't think i was that bad to be honest like um i just used to have some some weird things like i just i just stopped eating seafood i didn't eat steak for whatever reason like i'd eat burgers i'd eat mince but i just didn't eat steak i don't know why not which is um, from Gary. yeah it is isn't it and i didn't eat i didn't eat eggs um i stopped eating milk i stopped eating butter i don't i don't know why but it was like there was some sort of aversion um to dairy that i started to develop i do have this one memory actually of someone making butter popcorn in my house one time and just being absolutely disgusted by the smell of it um and i think i don't think i went back eating butter after that and my dad actually had a similar experience in his childhood he had a tea he had a teaspoon of butter one time and he's just he just wasn't able to eat it since so anyway there you go um i, do- I don't think i was like uh, very conscious of 
trying to eat healthy as a child or even as a teenager, like that wasn't a thing. Um, my mom, to be fair, always made great dinners and good school lunches and everything, but you know, very much normal, like, you know, a, a ham sandwich or whatever in your, in your lunchbox kind of job, um, bit of fruit, uh, maybe a little chocolate bar if you were lucky. But I think that was actually banned in my primary school. In my primary school, we weren't allowed to have like sweets or anything like that. Very tyrannical. Yeah, I, but, uh, I wasn't either. Yeah. They were like, yeah, so I went, I went to a national school and they were like mixed. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, you can't be showing your wealth or fucking whatever. You can't bring a chocolate <laughs> bar. We used to just go to the shop across the road from the school and rob chocolate bars in case anyone was wondering how we yeah. got it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I used to get like a, one of those, uh, you know, the winders, the fruit winders. I used to get one of those because they were kind of like on that edge of like your sweet treat and, and whatever. Uh, but then as a teenager, uh, I think my diet probably like degenerated a little bit um, up until I was about 16 because as I, as I had more freedom in terms of spending my money in the shop and stuff, cause I, I had a, I did first had a job when I was like um, 12. So I was working since I was 12 and I, as a result, I had money and I was able to, you know, go and I, I used to love Subway. I used to have a lot of Subway. Not that that's that bad, although I hear since last week, Subway bread is no longer regarded as bread. Um, that's, but, purely, that's purely their own fault, just as an aside, in case anyone's wondering about that. That was <laughs> Subway trying to get off from paying any taxes because they're like, oh, <laughs> bread is an essential item, so you don't get taxed yeah. on it. So that's the whole reason behind that. But anyway, that's beside the point. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so as I moved into kind of like my early teens, um, and I got more freedom. I probably used to like, I used to buy more sweets, buy more chocolate, buy more like McDonald's. I have a, sp- a specific McDonald's is really close to my house, like right next to my house at home. So I used to actually eat a lot of McDonald's, um, anytime I had a bit of money. And I remember when I was in transition year, I was 16 at the time and it was the first time you were able to get like a debit card. So you get your first debit card. And I just remember the novelty of me, me and all the lads going up to McDonald's and just putting it in and buying like a load of nuggets and a load of cheeseburgers and stuff, whatever. Um, but yeah, so like I definitely didn't pay much attention. I wasn't, I wasn't overweight to be honest. I was always kind of out and about, like I lived in a, in a housing estate. So like you're kind of just always around doing something, messing, playing soccer or whatever. Um, so yeah, I wasn't overweight or anything, but, but my mom was still always, you know, very good in terms of like being like, just eat your breakfast, stop being stupid, you know, sit down, eat your dinner, that kind of thing. Standard kind of, you know, Irish upbringing. Um, but from there anyway, as we went, as, as I moved on and I first got into to training into the gym and I started to see all these foods that other people were eating. I wanted to expose myself to more of those types of foods. So I started trying things like steak. I started trying eggs. I wanted to have more, more dairy in my diet. Um, and obviously then as a result, stopped eating as much kind of junk food, you know? Um, I remember when I was big into playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, as I'm sure many people were. Um, I used to always have like a bottle of uh, Cherry Lucasade or a big carton of orange juice. And what, what else do we eat? There was like 39 sec- cent packets of Jaffa cakes that you could get in Tesco. So you'd just buy a couple of packets of them. Um, and chili, chili Doritos were a big thing then as well. Um, so yeah, they were like our, our snacks for when we used to be playing Call of Duty. Um, so certainly not, not your kind of athlete upbringing who was trying to eat really healthy. But as I got into the gym, as I said, started to expose myself to more of those foods, got into the kind of uh, more clean eating uh, type of approach. And when I was in, when I was in like sixth year, so my final year of secondary school, uh, for those who, who aren't um, from Ireland, that's pretty much the same as like American high school, is it? I know it's a yeah. little bit different, but similar. Yeah. So basically the end of high school, you could say, if we have American listeners. Um, so I was about 17 then. And what I used to do was 
I, my mom was, was very good to be fair when I started to get into the gym because she was kind of like, well, he could be doing worse things. So she'd like cook me a few chicken breasts in the morning and like just put on a lot of rice or whatever. And I used to have this massive lunchbox full of like three chicken breasts and probably like 500 grams of rice, to be honest. Um, probably like a little bit of barbecue sauce on it on top if I was being good to myself. And I'd have a load of those uh, Nature Valley granola bars, two or three of those in the bag. I might have some additional sandwiches in the bag. And then I might have a few pieces of a few pieces of fruit and whatever else and i used to carry it around in this dun's this dun's shopping bag in school and everyone used to mock me for it and there's one teacher who used to actually call me um roy cropper roy cropper from coronation street always <laughs> carries this bag with him and that was me in school i used to carry that bag with me all the time it was my bag of food in study then until whatever i don't know half seven or whatever in the evening in sixth year and that was me that was my food for the day so as i got as i built up those habits of kind of you know all right you you have your meals your food is prepped that actually stood to me so well when I initially went off to college. Um, and I kind of carried over a lot of those like clean eating type habits um, then. But as I moved out of, as I was probably, when I was in sixth year, I think, um, or maybe the turn of sixth year, I started to like track my calories and track my macros more. So I'd come across that stuff um, and, and I started to, to do that. And that was when, you know, I got more into the nutrition science side of things a little bit more, you know, trying to ask more questions, figure out more things. And that was actually very productive for a while. But eventually what I found was that, and this happens with a lot of people, as I got into kind of tracking my calories more and kind of dispelling nutrition myths, I probably like swung to the opposite side of the pendulum to the pendulum for a while. Um, because what happened was as I ended up, um, as I ended up tracking calories more, I maybe had less of a concern for food quality and things like that. So I'd start fitting more junk food into my diet every now and then, you know, and it's probably not the best habit. And there was a while where, you know, I found myself kind of binge eating a bit more and then maybe I would restrict for a while and then I binge a bit more and I'd restrict for a while. And I was kind of in that kind of yo-yo phase where I was kind of up and down um, because basically I just didn't have, really have my nutrition very much in order um i was too restrictive for a while and then i let things uh, swing too far to the other side for a while and that went on for a while and eventually i kind of found this um this kind of more balanced position i suppose you could say of just being finding a, a dietary structure that worked well for me that was that kind of sweet spot between the clean eating approach you could say and the um the more flexible approach and that's basically led me up to where I am today. Like, and I think that's, that's a kind of key point here is that initially you try out more things, but eventually you get to the point where you're on this path of like your own kind of customized approach that you found. And you're like, yeah, I'll tweak things here and there. But the vast majority of my diet, like, is the same most weeks. Like there's variation, of course, but it tends to be the same most weeks. And in that period of time, that kind of interim period of time, there's been there's been times where I've tried different things. Like I've done a ketogenic diet um, for a brief period of time for I think about four weeks or so. I tried that for a while. Um, the main outcomes of that being that, you know, I felt the kind of, the, the cognitive effects that people discuss as it relates to keto in terms of maybe having more consistent energy levels, you could say. Um, hunger not being as much of a problem. But what I did find on, on keto that I didn't really like was one, um, it takes a lot of effort to kind of plan out your meals and stuff. And it's just, it's just a lot of hassle for unclear benefits. Um, and two, the other thing was that when I was training and I was training quite hard at the time, I could never really get into kind of like fourth or fifth gear. I felt like, you know, I was, I, I could get through my sessions, but I was never able to really push my 
myself um to cause obviously um carbohydrates tend to be pretty helpful for that um particularly as, as it relates to weight training you know especially if you're doing higher rep stuff um so that was kind of my experience with keto but other than that i didn't really i never really had like a, a vegan phase i didn't really have a any any phase with with any other kind of extreme diets um i could you know i'd done things like carbohydrate cycling and carb backloading and different ways of structuring my calories and intermittent fasting and that type of thing but overall like i would say that my diet has kind of settled to a place over time where the vast majority of the time i'm having three main meals per day maybe an additional snack my breakfast has probably been the same for five years i would say you know i i almost always have porridge with blueberries whey protein and some dark chocolate on top like that's been so consistent and even outside of that like a lot of my meals do tend to be consistent and at least when i'm kind of cooking for myself you know a lot of the time when i'm cooking for myself it'll be something like mince or some type of meat very much like yourself patty and vegetables some sort of beans um, and depending on where my calories are at i might add uh, rice or i'll add lentils or maybe i'll put in some olive oil or nuts if i'm really trying to bump up the calories um but yeah like i mean my diet isn't anything too, too special at the moment but but that's pretty much how i got here i'm sure there's more details in the meantime but any comments or trends that are relatable there patty I think we'll we'll come back at the end and just kind of do a few different yeah. things that we've tried and stuff like that, just so I can get through mine and not make this into a fucking two. Yeah, this is too hard. Uh, <laughs> but basically, like my upbringing, similar enough in terms of you know I was uh, a fine eater when I was younger. Then I did become a little bit more picky, um, especially like my my parents always say like I used to be like I would only eat pizza for dinner. You know, like they used to like sell these little smaller pizzas, like, you know, basically like the size yeah. of my hand or something now. And uh, they'd be like, oh, that's that's basically all I would have and chips for dinner, you know. And, you know, the typical in Ireland anyway, like breakfast and lunch when you're in school is like, oh, you know, breakfast is like some sort of cereal. Um, I don't know, yeah. Weedabix, cornflakes. You know, if you're if your parents are especially, you know, on a treat they'd give you like, I don't know, Cocoa Pops or something, which never happened in my house because there's so many boys that, well, first of all, they're more expensive and then the the packet would just be gone in a day. So it's like, it's not, it's not good value when you have like five young boys in the house. Um, but uh, anyway, that's beside the point. Um, so, you know, typical breakfast, you know, cereal, milk, that kind of shit. Go to school, you have a, a little Sambo there. Again, as I said, you weren't allowed to have like, chocolate and stuff like sometimes like they 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 went on and off with banning that stuff especially well they brought it in more towards the end of when i was in primary school like that was kind of like oh uh we want to make sure everyone's equal with their food and then also you know they're like oh we want to tackle the obesity crisis and everything because again like i went to school in the 90s so that was only like starting to come to the uh, public awareness you know mm-hmm. um but yeah, sometimes like I was never one that like my parents would give us like chocolate bars again, because there's so many of us, they'd be like, well, this is just not a good return on investment yeah. here. <laughs> um, but uh, so it would be like, you know, here's your ham sandwich or here's your cheese sandwich. You know, that was, that's it, you know. Um, but uh, that was that. Then after school, you know, you might have, I don't know, a packet of crisps or something, you know, whatever was knocking around the house. Um, and then for dinner, as I said, like I literally would be like, I only want pizza. I'd have pizza and chips. That was it. Like my dad used to have to cook pizza for me. Like he'd cook everyone else food. He could be having like, I know, spaghetti bolognese or fucking whatever. And I'd be like, no, I just want pizza and chips, you know? And that was literally what I ate. Right. And yeah, I got, I got pretty fat. And even though I was doing some sports and like, obviously I live in a house full of boys. So 
you know, there's always like roughhousing or out kicking a football or doing whatever. Um, but like, I like food. I liked eating food. I liked eating lots of food. <laughs> and I wouldn't ever say I got like obese, but like I definitely wasn't, you know, skinny or lean. Um, had some fat rolls. Yeah. Um, it was quite nice. Um, I enjoyed all the food. I'm not going to say I regretted it. Um, but anyway, then like, you know, you hit like 12, 13, you kind of get a little bit more body conscious especially like again i'm a house full of boys you know we like watch i know wrestling we watch well we actually weren't allowed to watch wrestling because again house full of boys um, <laughs> um but you'd be watching like dragon ball z and stuff like that and like you'd see all like uh you know this is the the era of like stallone arnold schwarzenegger all that kind of stuff you know so like you'd see them and you'd be like Jesus, like humans can look like that men can look like that and obviously you know you're 12 13 you know, you're kind of like developing your, your sense of what it be, it is to be a man and stuff like that. And like one of them was like, Oh, I wanted to be in better shape, you know? Um, so I started like looking into it a bit more. Like and I discussed this before on our website, um, in our about section. Um, but like, you know, I, I grew up in a house where it was always encouraged to read books and, you know, look at that kind of stuff or consume that kind of content. I really enjoyed watching like documentaries and, you know, information i just liked getting information you know um so i used to get my parents to get me books on like health and nutrition and stuff like that and now obviously they don't know where to get it so you know sometimes we be going into the local library and you get a book on whatever and i'd just be consuming that kind of content now again some of it was just like actually piss poor and you know probably negligent to give to consumers uh, overall especially if children are going to read it because like 12 13 like that is a child basically but basically looked at my diet a little bit more in depth but again like you're a teenager you don't care that much however at the same time you know girls are a thing so wanted to uh you know look good for the girls um so that was a, another thing so you know probably picked up my training a little bit um and then obviously tidied up my diet in whatever way i was thinking was correct yeah at that time like probably oh cut out this food and eat a bit more of this food and um, but i definitely wouldn't say my diet was you know good or a healthful diet i was probably still like oh yeah pizza is it yeah that's that seems to be a good food because again I, I really like pizza um but uh yeah then it was really around i know the the year like third year like finishing your junior cert, so whatever age that is, what is that, 15, 16, is it? Something 15, like that. That's fair. Um, and oh, I think, there. like, in Ireland, you were only allowed to join a gym when you were over 16, you know? So I would have to have been 16, yeah, because that would yeah. make sense, because 16 in January, yeah, anyway. So um, 16, and then me and my friend joined a gym for the summer from between third year and into fourth year, you know? Um, and... I basically designed his training program and my training program. Now, again, they're, they're probably fucking pretty terrible, like super high volume and whatever else that was going on. Cause again, like I know everyone these days has like easy access to the internet and whatever, but like we had one computer in my house, you know, like I was one of the first, my school was one of the first schools to have like a computer room, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, like, and they had like, I don't know if people remember, I think it was called Encarta Explorer or something like that. And yeah, basically that kind of shit. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, so was looking at stuff online, not knowing where to find stuff, but in that kind of third into fourth year, like you said, Gary, like bodybuilding.com was kind of coming to fruition. At least I think it was around that time that I started, you know, reading a bit more of it. Either way, like it was a combination, like I didn't really use the internet because you, know, you didn't have a phone that could easily access it, you know? Um, and then also 
I'm not going into my family computer to be looking up like how to build your pecs. Like I didn't know that kind of shit, you know, <laughs> like, um, but then into fourth year, like, or I should actually say a few things about that, that transition period in between third and fourth year. Like you, we knew like protein was a thing that you were supposed to eat, but like, this is in Ireland. Like we were like, Oh, you're not allowed. You're not supposed to be eating like whey protein powders. Like they're like steroids and stuff like, cause people used to, properly like say that stuff they were like yeah, oh that's that really bad for you like it's it's steroids and you shouldn't consume them and you know all that kind of stuff so me and my mate were like jesus like we shouldn't consume them but like i'd be reading like these articles or whatever and like I, we used to think there was some sort of like magic to like whey protein so like we were reading like you know men's health things and one of them was like oh ricotta cheese has like a higher percentage of whey protein and we were like oh geez like we'll get that so we were like hammering that stuff um you know and like we were like oh protein where do you get that from and you'd be like oh meat and like oh like i don't have any money like i had a job when i was 14 so i had some money you know like enough to get a gym membership and do all that kind of stuff um but you know uh didn't have like excess cash that could be like oh yeah here actually just gonna fucking buy some meat here for my family like will you cook this for me you know because again like you're whatever 15 16 you're like cooking food is just not something you did you know it's like that's what the, the you know your parents do <laughs> but uh yeah so we were like hammering that stuff after workouts we were like oh yeah beans are cheap so we'll buy some like beans and have like beans on toast as our post-workout meal because you know it's like that has protein in it or like we were like oh i'll make a ham and cheese toasty you know because it's like oh there's there's protein in that you know like stuff like that like diet was not good by any stretch of the imagination you know um but it wasn't bad either you know it wouldn't be like oh that's definitely going to be a great muscle building diet or a fat loss diet or you know just healthful diet but it wasn't a bad diet you know and then in fourth year um that was when i was really like oh i actually want to get a, a good bit leaner and i basically just did that by eating less you know like it wasn't any scientific like oh i need this much protein or this much carbs it was like as long as i felt a little bit hungry after my meals i was like i'm on a, i'm in a good position you know yeah. that was the kind of diet mentality i was like i just want to be a little bit hungry and happy days then you know and stay away from those like high calorie foods that i knew you know like sweets and stuff like that and it was like i'll get leaner and i, I got leaner you know it was in great shape you know especially because i was doing sports and you know we'd started going to the gym so i built some muscle and whatever else and so was in a good position from then on and then i got a little bit more serious with my my training um like i was doing a few different sports and you know the sports were going well um and also then i was like oh i need to actually you know learn a bit more about nutrition because it seems to be important for athletes and um, so that's what i need to do you know and obviously again like you're getting information from you know coaches and stuff like i remember one of my boxing coaches was was again probably fucking negligent but uh, like telling us like how to how he used to cut for his weight class and stuff you know and it would be like he'd have like a yogurt and he'd be like oh i have like a yogurt for lunch and like stuff like that it was it was not like a well thought out diet or at all it was just like these foods seem to fill him up so he was like oh that obviously makes sense and you know it leads to weight loss you know um but anyway look that's that's another uh, side discussion but you know diet was not great but i was learning more all the time you know especially like reading like men's health magazines and stuff like that where you're like you're getting some sort of information and obviously again the internet i'm starting to have more access to it and because it become it became easier to access it and i'm not really sure at what stage like i think it was maybe 
when I was 18. Yeah, I'd say around 18. So sixth year going into like first year of college and stuff. Like I started to learn more about nutrition in terms of like I was reading like bodybuilding.com and that kind of stuff. And again, like I started understanding like calories and macros and stuff like that. Still didn't understand that you could be like, oh, I feel this with like bad foods or whatever. Like it was like as a concept, I was still it's all good foods that you should be eating. You know, like that was what I grew up with. I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to be like, you know, good at sports. So I was like, Oh, you eat healthy foods. Like athletes don't eat junk, you know? Um, so I was, I wouldn't say I was counting or counting my macros or calories or anything like that, but I definitely use that as a principle to understand how much I should be eating in terms of like, I would basically make out a diet plan for myself, you know? And I'd be like, I need to consume, 4,000 calories or whatever it is. And I need to have this much protein. And it was definitely way too much protein as well. It was like, oh, well, if they say this much is good, like surely this much is, is better, you know, and it's going to build muscle and you know, it's great for strength and whatever else. But basically I would use calories and macros, like that kind of IFYM concept that was developing at that time. Um, cause this would have been like 2010, you know? Um, so I basically used you know, counting your calories and macros. And I just made out a diet plan. I was like, I eat this for breakfast. I eat this for lunch, blah, blah, blah. You know? And at this time, like I was going to the gym before school um, or going for a run um, depending. Um, and then I would go to school. So I'd cook my food for like the night before. And then I would do all my stuff, then do my sports in the evening and cook my food or, you know, my family would cook my food or whatever. And then as I got into like, first and then second year of secondary school or sorry uh, college then like that became more of like oh i actually just cook my meals like well i had kind of like, given up on sports not given up on them but i was like oh look kind of get disillusioned with like my ability to succeed in those sports so i was like oh look i'm not going to be the next you know i don't know whoever and um, so I'm not going to do those and um, was still going to the gym probably eating way more than i needed to because i'd come from like exercising loads like two a day trainings and whatever else. And also like cycling to school and you know, all that kind of stuff. And like that basically had gone away. And I was like, all right, like I basically get the Lewis into town to go to college and, you know, I would either go to the gym. I, I actually think I used to go to the gym in the evening then, you know, cause yeah, I didn't want to have to wake up early, you know, to go to the gym. Um, so I go to the gym in the evening, but basically my activity throughout the day was much lower, but I was eating like still similar enough calories. You know, I hadn't really got those concepts in terms of like activity level and calories together. And I was like, Oh, I always needed like 4,000, 5,000 calories to, you know, uh, maintain or slightly gain or whatever, you know? So I was still eating that. And like, that's probably the most productive my training has ever been. And it's probably a combination of the fact that, you know, I wasn't doing multiple things, you know, multiple sports or whatever. Um, and also the fact that I was eating like, uh, an unreal surplus. Right. <laughs> um, but like, that was like, I'd say, yeah, probably the most productive of my training. Like I was 115 kilos or something. And like definitely had more muscle than I have now, you know? Um, and obviously like then it was like, we, I was learning more about like on bodybuilding.com and I was on like Lyle McDonald's site and which is bodyrecomposition.com in case anyone was wondering. Um, and was learning more information about that kind of stuff like nutrition and better training methods and then i really got into like reading like scientific research and i was like oh i actually like want to learn more about this and so i started thinking about this more and at the time like i was still working in like gyms and stuff and so like i was learning stuff from people that work there again some of it bro science some of it not some of it you know good some of it bad and so 
that was all informing my nutrition. But at no point was I like, oh, you should be eating bad foods like to fit your calories, you know? Like I wouldn't like occasionally if we were like, oh, I'm going out to eat, you know, with my girlfriend or whatever, um, or drinking, I'd still be like, right, you know, I still need to somewhat be attentive to the calories in the alcohol because I used to be like, I'm a big boy. So I was able to drink quite a lot of alcohol and still not be drunk. So that's not beneficial in case anyone was wondering. Um, but, uh, it's you know, it's, <laughs> it's just extra money. And anyway, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, so that was kind of like where I was at. Then I got more and more into it and I was like, Oh, I actually need to track my calories. Um, but there was a stage where I was like, Oh, actually look, I, 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 I wasn't actually tracking calories. Right. I was only just using calories as like, I set my diet, you know, I'd be like, eat these foods. You know, I was like, here's my calories, write it on a piece of paper, eat this for breakfast, eat this for lunch, eat this for dinner. You know, it was basically like a meal plan based on the calories and macros that I had given myself, you know, and it was still all like, you should eat healthy foods. You know, my concept of what healthy foods was or are changed in terms of I would be reading more content. And this is all the time when like the paleo diet and stuff like was really like being put out and like in case anyone's wondering like i actually think that's a, a great concept you know maybe the arguments for it you know we could we could argue all day in terms of like the validity of those arguments but that's another beside the point um but like i started eating like that kind of framework i was like oh maybe i should try these things now again it's quite hard when you're trying to eat like four thousand calories and it's like you don't eat these grains don't eat these and i'm like there's only so much potatoes that i can eat um <laughs> but uh yeah that's, I did do that. And again, there was points in time where I wasn't necessarily tracking, but I was still using that kind of like, here is the rough calculations for my diet. You know, I wasn't actually actively tracking daily, you know? Um, and then there was a period of time where I kind of modified that by trying like a very low carb uh, paleo diet. I, I'm hesitant to say ketogenic diet because like I was definitely still consuming way too much protein. You know, I was like, protein is good. It's always served me well. Cause again, I started in this, like protein is good. It's always served me well kind of mindset where, you know, eat more protein. It's good for you. You know, I, I was definitely consuming like 300, 400 grams of protein per day, which, you know, isn't actually absurd because I was like 110, 115 kilos, you know, like, so that's not absurd. Um, but definitely too much. Um, and then I was like, Oh, I actually want to diet down. So tried this lower carb paleo approach. Again, hasn't say it was ketogenic because there was so much protein, but that got me very lean and was trying intermittent fasting. Still understood that it was all just calorie balance that was manipulating this, but you know, I was still kind of was I enamored with different diets in terms of I was like, these are like the secret. This is a fat loss diet, and this is a, a muscle gain diet, like as if there was like specific properties to the foods or you know, whatever the, the way the diet was structured or whatever it is that you know gave better results than if you had just tracked your calories and macros. Um, and tried in for intermittent fasting and stuff like that again with varying levels of like calorie control in terms of like I would work out my calories and still hit them or whatever you know basically it was just calorie manipulation but I thought there was some inherent properties to these specific diets whether it was intermittent fasting or paleo or whatever and then I'm not really sure when it was maybe I don't know I could actually find the exact number of days ago it was, but um, there was a point where I was like, oh, uh, I just want to eat a bit more, a bit less restrictive and not have these kind of ideologies around it and just really hammer home like the more scientific stuff. Um, 
So I was like, all right, I'm just going to track my calories and macros and, you know, use this IFIM approach and that I was hearing about on all these forums and all the stuff that I was reading and just use that. Like people were like, oh, my fitness pal is the way forward. And this was back in the day. And like Facebook was, you know, Instagram wasn't a thing. So Facebook was where people will share the information, which is by far and away a f- an extremely better method of sharing information than Instagram right? Because you can link articles, you can do whatever else. Like I would argue that Twitter is a better place to get information than Instagram, you know, even though everyone uses Instagram and thinks that it's a great place for health and fitness information purely by virtue of the fact that, you know, sex sells. So putting a picture of my shredded body is obviously going to get a lot of following or, you know, likes or whatever on a photo sharing app. Um, But Facebook was great because people were linking these articles and people were like, giving rationales for their, their diets and their ideologies and whatever else. So it was a far better method of learning. And um, so I learned a lot from that. And again, I was like, I just want to track my calories and macros. People are using this IFYM. Don't really have a, a need or desire to eat these kind of crap foods, if you will. Um, but I was like, I, this seems to be more scientific than what I'm doing. So I got more into that. Um, and I'll tell you right now, that was 2,154 days ago, right? So as the time of this recording, which is the 11th of October. And the reason I know that is because I still, to this day, whatever it is, I don't know. Um, I still, to this day, track my calories, you know? And there's, again, varying levels of, we'll say, strictness with that calorie tracking in terms of, you know, I'm like, if I know I'm going to eat a meal at the end of the day and I'm like, yeah, I know roughly that I have 30 grams of protein to eat and this meal has about six, I have 600 calories to eat or whatever it is. And this meal has roughly that. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, I need to track that. You know, it needs to be tracked, you know? However, I do like having the ability to go back and be like, what was I eating then? How many calories was I on then? You know, what was the results I was getting from that? I like having that data. I like being able to look at that um, over time, see how my weight has changed, you know, all that kind of data. I like having that data. I like being that more objective. And even though I eat a very, like I'm not adherent to, you know, really strict calorie and macro tracking, I still like to do it. I like to be like, all right, even if I overconsume, I'm like, I like to have a track. So I'm like, I know I can look back and be like, why has this happened? I'm like, I have the data. I can look at it, you know? Um, and also I just don't like not, well, first of all, I don't want to break my streak. That's a big, big thing as well. Um, but also I'm like, I, like, I enjoy it. I, I think it's, it's very handy to do, you know, like, even though, like Gary was saying there, me and him eat pretty similar in terms of the way we actually eat. I eat way more fish than he does though. Cause he's a child. Um, <sighs> yeah. but the actual diet setup in terms of it's like, this is breakfast. So like sometimes I'll do intermittent fasting or, you know, whatever, but this is kind of like the, the setup of my diet, some meat, some vegetables, some carbohydrate to whatever, energetic needs I have, you know, or some added fats or whatever it is to my energetic needs. And like the diet principle is similar, you know? So you might think like, why don't I just not track calories? Because my diet is very similar day to day, but I like being that little bit more objective rather than being like, yeah, I think that's about this many calories. Like I like being able to be like, you know what? I'm actually just not going to eat according to the set plan that I normally eat to in terms of like, I have this for breakfast or lunch or whatever. Like, obviously there's a lot of variety in my diet, but I like being able to be like, you know what, actually I, we were on, I was out, I don't know, at a hotel with my girlfriend. And the next day it's like, you know what, actually we're going to have pancakes for breakfast and eggs or something. I'm like, I like being able to 
put that into my fitness pal and then still be on track later in the day. You know, I'm like, I don't have to think about it. I don't like, I just put in the numbers, whatever it is. I'm like, all right, cool. There we're on track, you know, rather than having to be like, Oh, well, you know, maybe that uh, I had a little bit more for breakfast. So I'll have a little bit later here. Like I'm actually pretty terrible at listening to my hunger cues because again, I was fat when I was younger. So they're probably already a little bit skewed towards that. Um, but also like my activity is so variable day to day in terms of like before the lockdown, I was doing like two a day trainings, you know, cause I was like, that's, that's what I grew up doing. I enjoy doing that. You know, I was doing resistance training in the afternoon and then, you know, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in the evening, you know? Um, and right now I'm doing resistance training in the morning. I'm gone back to that. Cause I'm like, that's yeah, a little bit quieter in the gym at that stage. So I'm like, it suits me better. And I like having that kind of, like Gary was saying before, like the kind of bookend to your day of like, do your training in the morning, get straight into work. Like I like having like nine, 10 hours of just straight work to do, you know, like I break that up, obviously, like I have meals during that time or like I'll go for a 30 minute walk, you know, get my steps in and, you know, stuff like that. Like it's not just a straight through, but I like being able to do that, you know? Um, but yeah, so like I'm pretty terrible, like knowing like, oh, well, you know, today I'm not too hungry. Um, so I'm going to eat less. But then what happens is I have training in the morning and then I've two training sessions that day. So I was under fueled for that day. So those sessions went poorly. And then I'm like, Oh no, like I, I didn't perform as well. And then that goes into the next day. Cause I don't have time to eat more calories. You know, like m- me personally, it doesn't suit my lifestyle to not track. I'm like, at least I know if I've tracked, I'm like, I know I'm roughly on target versus not tracking. And then having that little question mark in my head. You know, not to say that like, that's going like, I'm a star athlete that I'm like, I'm going to be the next big thing or anything. I'm like, just for my own personal enjoyment. I'm like, it just takes that guesswork out of it. You know, I'm like, all right, dude, I, I, my diet is on point as much as it can be reasonably expected to be because I know, cause I've tracked it, you know? So that's where I'm at. Savage. Lovely stories. So that's how we ate over the last number of years, if people are interested. But I wanted to ask, is there anything that you think um, was instilled in you, like from your parents that you think like served you well in terms of nutrition over the years? Um, I don't know. Maybe like my dad grew up in a tenement. So like he didn't have access to food. Like if you ever look at it, I actually slag him about it all the time because like he basically grew up in one of these beautiful Georgian houses, you know? It's like, you had a better house back in the day than you do now. He's like, yeah, it was a fucking tenement, you know? He's like 12 of us on the floor, like. <laughs> um, but I'm like, yeah, but the house looked beautiful. Um, but uh, so he was always like overeat rather than undereat, you know? He was like that kind of mentality, which mm-hmm. in another context, would be bad you know that's probably why i was fat as a kid you know but it probably served me well in terms of the, the, the reason that i'm like over six foot five you know um they're like the reason that like you know i'm good at these different sports and whatever else is like i was eating food you know rather than like not eating food so like that could definitely be construed as a negative you know be like almost this food scarcity mindset you know like that could definitely lead to like obesity but for me it worked out well you know, cause I'm like, it allowed me to do what I wanted to do, you know, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably a few things like, like that. Um, I think I was probably raised on that mindset as well of like, 
will praise you for eating more, not less kind of a thing. Like that, I think that is in Ireland, really a very not. Irish thing. Yeah. Maybe it's a um, common thing. Maybe it's not. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it would make sense, you know, as in like, you know, sit at the dinner, dinner table until you finish your dinner. Like, you're not allowed to leave until that plate is clean. Yeah, exactly. Um, which mightn't be the best when you're an adult and you're in an environment where there's an abundance of hyperpalatable foods. Um, but I think it's, I think it's generally like probably, you know, a net positive, like, look, these are your meals, eat them. Like, don't be being a, a, a little fucker, like trying to ask for a chocolate if you haven't even eaten your dinner, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I think that's pretty, that's pretty positive. Um, so yeah, my, my mom definitely was, was like that in terms of praise. Even to this day, like she will praise the fact that Gary's a great boy to feed, you know, because it's like you can put anything up in front of me and like, that's it. It's done, you know? Um, but yeah, other things, I think like we had like one day per week that was like, we, you get takeaway on the, on this day, like that's it, you know, on a Friday after school, collect you and your sister and we'll go and we'll get McDonald's or Supermax or whatever it happens to be. Like, so it was never a case of like, Oh mom, like it's Tuesday. Can we get McDonald's? Like, no, that's not a thing. Like you don't get McDonald's regularly. And I always remember that being actually something that like as a child, you're obviously frustrated about. Cause I remember other kids would get takeaway more frequently and stuff like that. But obviously it, it does stand to you and other simple things like, you know, you wouldn't just go into, go into the press or the cupboards for people who don't call it the press and just take biscuits or take chocolate or take crisps. Like you would have to ask and it would be like a fairly, big deal if your mom was like yeah go on take a chocolate bar like you know that wasn't something that was just in the house so that that would always be a big deal if you went to someone else's house and like their their mom let you just have whatever chocolate bar you wanted you'd be all you know you'd be buzzing or whatever so so yeah there's a lot of those things that are Mm. fairly fairly simple lessons that i think do probably stand to you and i think although when you're a child you'd love to just be able to have as many treats as you want all of the time you kind of begin to appreciate when you're older that yeah, these things are actually good. You need to learn discipline, you know, letting children do whatever they want probably isn't the best thing in the world, you know? Yeah. Like I'd be very similar as well. Like just thinking of it now, like we never had any, like we, like we didn't get takeaway regularly um, because it'd be like, I'll go to McDonald's and McDonald's is cheap. Like this is also really annoys me when people are like, Oh, uh, food availability. It's so you know hard for, people and i'm like man like we didn't have enough like we didn't have a lot of money growing up and also lots of kids and well yeah okay a happy meal costs like five euro all in it's like yeah okay there was literally seven people in my house to feed you know and varying times there was 10 people in my house to feed you know it's like you can't just be like oh yeah it's real cheap i'm like it's definitely far cheaper to feed those people with like food from whatever dunn stores or tesco or aldi or whatever you know rather than going out like we never got like it would have to be like a, a big treat. Like it would basically be like my dad would be going across to visit all his brothers or something like there on the north side and we're on the south side. Um, but like we'd be going across and it'd be a big day or like maybe it was, I don't know, a funeral or something or, you know, a christening or something, whatever the fuck it was, you know? And basically we'd all ha- hop in the fucking big seven seater car that we had um, and we drive across. And then my dad, like my dad did the cooking in the house because he was, uh, he's an entrepreneur. So he was like, at home during the cooking time my mom had a job you know um but uh yeah so like he'd be like oh, fuck, i don't want to cook so that would be the day that we'd be like get a mcdonald's on the way home you know and he'd be like oh man if you got a mcflurry with your mcdonald's as well like oh you must have done something great you know and um, so definitely not like that's a that's a, a positive where it was like well, we didn't really eat 
bad foods. Now, having said that, like I was eating like pizza and chips for dinner. So it's not like, yeah. well, it's not like I was like, oh, I was eating like, you know, stew that was made, you know, nice and fresh and whatever else. It was like, no, you're getting like packaged oven chips and, you know, packaged little pizzas, you know, <laughs> it's like, it wasn't like, oh, whatever. But again, it was like, that's what we could afford. And, you know, um, so yeah, like it was, it was, uh, there's definitely loads of those things now. I'm thinking back, like you said, like, you know, oh, you don't definitely don't like reach into the press and just, you know, grab a pack of crisps or whatever. It's like, no, like yeah. your parents have to be like, yes, you're allowed. Cause again, like there's lots of boys in my house. So if that was the case, man, it would have been pandemonium. <laughs> yeah. One, one of the things that I think was actually a pretty big deal, especially for me going off to college was, um, or for anyone, like when you're, when you're moving out of home, was that like, I always, always, always had a packed lunch, even like throughout secondary school. And I think that was actually probably more rare. Like I think the vast majority of, of my friends in secondary school would have, um, you know, their, their parents give them a fiver and you go up town to the shop or whatever. And like, I mean, you can go pretty far in Duns with a fiver, you know, you, cause I remember they used to have these packs of cookies and they'd be, they were like, again, like 39 cent or 29 cent or something like that. You get a whole packet of cookies. So people would get one of those, they get a chicken roll or roll full of sausages or something from the deli or something like that. And maybe like some sweets and a bottle of Coke. And it's like, that's, that's your lunch. So like, obviously then when you go off to college, like that's something you're used to and suddenly you have your own money and your own freedom. And then that's what you do every day between classes. Whereas I was actually always used to like my mom giving me, give me a packed lunch from primary school to secondary school. And then obviously as I got into the gym, that was positively reinforced. Cause I was like, that's what I want. I actually don't want to be buying stuff in the, in the shop or whatever. And um, so that was a, a pretty, pretty huge thing. Um, as well. I actually used to have one friend, my best friend in secondary school, his, his, um, my mom started making him um, the rolls that she used to make me for a while. Like she'd give him one the odd time because we used to drop him to school just to be sound. And uh, <laughs> he used to, he's, he's German. Like, so he's pro- proper German. Now he used to get a fiver from his mom for his lunch. So he'd keep the fiver and wouldn't buy his lunch. And then he'd sell the roll my mom gave him and go hungry and just keep the money. <laughs> oh, what a guy. I was going to say on that as well. Like I actually used to get like, like make a packed lunch myself, but then I'd also go in and just buy a chicken fillet roll at yeah, both. And like fourth and fifth and sixth year. I was like, of course I'll do both. Like more food is better. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, that's the life cycle of nutrition for us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that is, it is one of those things where you like, when you look back on it, you're like, how did I actually get to being informed? Like of my current, diet practices and stuff and as we said at the start of the episode like it can seem like people come to this and it's like oh they just have everything figured out you know and like obviously like we're not touching on every single thing that we learned along the way and like there's been periods of time like gary's talked about it before like he dieted down for a holiday and then you know binge ate on holiday and like obviously that's not beneficial (laughs) um but like that kind of informs like your practices like how you coach people in the future how you discuss things with people in the future you're like okay well actually we're going to have to that's a, an issue you know and like obviously like i write a lot of the nutrition content on our website and like hopefully you see those little lessons shine true when you read those things where it's like oh you might experience this like for example you might go okay i've been dieting for x number of weeks and then i'm going to increase my calories to maintenance and then you go to maintenance and you're like oh wow actually i've got this kind of like reactive hunger where you know, I, I'm actually hungrier now than I was when I was dieting, you know? And like, they're only little lessons that you learn by going through these different phases, 
you know, by going through these different um, diet modalities or, you know, different things with the diet. And like, hopefully when you read those articles, cause you should be reading those articles and um, hopefully that uh, shines true. And you're kind of like, Oh, actually, yeah, like that's something that I would never have thought of, you know, and it's all those little tips and tricks and whatever else. And um, that, you know, they get lost if you don't provide that information. You know, people have to relearn things consistently. Now, again, like you could read the articles and be like, oh, I like reactive hunger. Like that's, that's something I need to watch out for. But then when you actually experience it yourself or, you know, don't experience it yourself, like that still is going to inform how you approach diets in future, you know? So obviously we're skipping over a whole host of different things being like, right, this is my goal currently. And this is what I ate to get to that singular goal or you know, there's periods of time where I was like, I want to be leaner or periods of time where I'm like, I'm really want to push performance or periods of time where I'm like, I just want to eat healthy foods, you know, um, or whatever it is, you know, and like that, it can seem like we just come to a consensus having not traveled down many different paths to get there, you know? So again, if you are a newer coach or you are someone that is, you know, effectively coaching yourself to, you know, get better nutrition or whatever, like realize that, you're not going to get it right from the start. Like there's definitely so many things that we still have yet to learn, you know, in terms of like when we have kids, you know, it's like, how do we eat when we have kids, you know, when there's multiple people in the house, it's like, like even Gary saying like, like I think about this a lot in terms of, I'm like, Oh, like I like to cook my food at the start of the day and like have it laid out for the day. But that's going to be different when, you know, you've kids to feed as well. And it's like, what are you going to cook their dinner? And like, what do you cook them for lunch and, or make them for lunch? You don't necessarily have to cook it, but uh, you know, like stuff like that. It's like, and then you want to eat together at the same thing, like time, have the same meals, you know, like there's definitely all these different things that we still have yet to experience. And while we can definitely, you know, hypothesize in terms of like, this is a better approach and this is what I've seen works. And this is what I've seen doesn't work. Cause like we've coached hundreds of people in those situations, you know? And obviously we know people in those situations. Like we have, you know, families and um, like my families are always like, like I say, my family's families are always like massive. So I've seen this on like a large scale, you know, like we, like the average child, like the average children in like one of my families is like six or something, you know, like we have loads of kids basically is what I'm saying, you know? So we're going to outbreed you in case you were wondering, <laughs> um, but basically like have loads of kids. So I've seen this on like a mass mass scale and that's obviously informative in terms of how i'll approach having my multiple kids um so yeah like there's definitely lots still to learn but uh yeah yeah and i think when you talk to to most people who've maybe been kind of let's say close to a decade of managing their nutrition in some sense like once you get to that point you've been through the period of like sampling lots of different things and i think like you see this in most fields where people have expertise they like not necessarily i'm not this isn't a political comment but it, it's somewhat related people generally start more liberal and they become more conservative in their approach in that like when you're early on and you're kind of um in your approach to nutrition and, and your your perspective on nutrition like you're sampling lots of different things you're very open to the idea that something else could be the right way of doing things but eventually that kind of narrows in and you come to this point where you're, you, you start to eat a diet that's, you know, a bit more consistent. And suddenly it's like, all right, this is the way I've been eating for like three years. And it's very unlikely that someone's going to persuade me that, you know, I'm going to just, I should 
totally change my diet. It's just less likely when you've been doing it for that length of time. Like maybe you got completely misled and someone put you on a ridiculous diet and it worked for a while. But for the, for the vast majority of people, I think if you've been like deliberately trying to improve your nutrition for a while, over time, you just get to this point where you start to appreciate um, the scientific perspective. So for example, like what does nutrition science say about what a good diet is? Like, you know, you don't have to take on hundred percent of that, but you've, you're taking it into consideration, but you also consider things like um, the, the cultural aspects of diet. Like, so I'm Irish and I'm love like mashed potatoes and spuds in all forms. And thankfully now like steak and gravy and all that sort of stuff. So like, they're probably always going to be part of my diet. Like I, I can't really see that changing, um, you know, and, and even things like what takeaways I would go for. Like if I'm in town and I'm going to get some food and I want the convenient, I'm always going to go to boot gym and get a burrito. Like almost always. It's just like, yeah, if that's, if that, if I want a snack, let's go. Or even when I come to see you in Dublin, like we always get Nando's or we get boot gym. Like, so it's, it's just, again, we're like real, like boring conservative people. Like, yeah, I know what I like. Let's just stick with it. You know, um, that doesn't mean you can't still be open to the idea of change. You know, for example, it could be that I eat lots of blueberries in my porridge heated. And there's a study in three years that actually says that you lose all of the benefits of blueberries when you have them heated, you know? So I might be like, you know, maybe I'll have them on the side, maybe, you know, but probably not. Um, so yeah, the, I think that's just something for people who are early on in their, in their career, you could say, to realize because you do end up in this position sometimes. And we get comments like this from people who say, I just don't know what to do. You know, I've been trying everything. Um, everyone says something different. And I just kind of say to people that like, look, everyone that you're listening to, they've all been through this process. Everyone has been in your position. And eventually you start to get to a point where you kind of settle into something that suits you a bit better. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely takes time. And I think, I think the mistakes are almost like a rite of passage. Like I, I genuinely don't know anyone who's like from day one, they had everything on point. And sometimes I'm, well, you're not just jealous. listening to my story. I just told you I had everything <laughs> on point. But sometimes I'm actually jealous of like, um, some of the clients we work with, not to say that we put you on the path straight away, but some of the clients that, that we work with, you know, if they're beginners and they're really kind of over the course of, let's say six, nine, 12 months working with me or working with Patty. And they're in a point where like, they're where I was at like five or seven years in. I'm like, God, that's, that's, that's a good place to be. But even at that, I still wonder, um, do you actually need to make all of those mistakes? Because I think that even if that person has got to the point where they feel like they have it all together, they still have to encounter lots of myths and stuff along the way that they'll probably sample. You know, that's kind of just, just part of the process. So, you know, don't worry about it. It doesn't make you stupid, you know, and I think that's something I, I'm mindful of myself as well is that, you know, when we talk about the podcast, sometimes we can be very dismissive of certain um, dietary ideologies or dietary myths or whatever, whatever. And I'll do the same thing on Instagram being like, oh, this is such a stupid idea. But I also completely like recognize and want to be very open about the fact that I have believed the vast majority of the stupid things that I ridicule now, you know? Um, so, so yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've had lots of silly nutrition beliefs, tried lots of silly things and, you know, don't feel like that's a problem with you it's just uh you know the informational environment that we have and, and yeah hopefully you'll get get on the right track eventually yeah well, i'm always in two minds about this as well like you're saying about these people getting exposed to all this great information earlier on you know i'm like, like that's actually phenomenal i'm like you're so far ahead and like you see this yeah. now you see like 16 year olds that are jacked out of their minds and they're like have properly good 
nutrition and training practices squared away. You know, I'm not saying that they all do everything right, but like, I remember when I was like maybe 17, you know, um, like I had like a 200 kilo deadlift, you know, and that was unheard of. Like people were like, what the fuck? Like that's, that's actually pretty reckless, you know? Um, and nowadays it's like, that's literally just commonplace. You go on Instagram, go to fucking yeah. some, some random 16 year old and he's pulling like 240 for five, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so like the, the ex, like the exponential growth in knowledge, like on the exposure that people get to it, you know, because of obviously the internet and whatever else I'm like, it's actually so good. But like you said, it's like, like you still, like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't want to be one of those people. Like I hate the way people are like, Oh, like, uh, you back in my day, it yeah, was like this, and, you know, you, you have to go through some of the hardship to yeah. you know, be, be good and whatever else. I'm like, like, I don't really be, believe in that, but I'm also kind of like, you know, like you can't know what you don't know. So if you didn't experience yeah. these things, so it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Like it's, it's hard to fully elaborate on that thought, but I'm like, it kind of does inform better practices. And again, I know like, cause I read a lot of history and stuff. People, people have been saying this shit for millennium where it's like oh well you didn't experience what i experienced so like you can't have this knowledge and whatever else and like ultimately like it's led us to this point so you know people in the 1950s were saying the same thing and they were saying the same thing at the turn of the century and you know all that kind of stuff where it's like oh we're missing something oh tracking your calories like you're missing some sort of diet quality or whatever it is you know but i'm like it's kind of I feel great that I'm like, I actually love, and I also love contributing to this because obviously we have a, a blog, we have a, you know, we put out videos, we put out the podcast, we put out content and all that kind of stuff. So obviously we are contributing to that, but I'm also in the, the mind that I'm like, is it actually harder these days? You know, are we actually just viewing this as like, oh, like, oh, it's actually so easy for these kids because they have all access to this, but they have way more access to shit information that yeah. we didn't have to deal with, you know? Like I could only read so many fucking magazines like men's magazines or, you know, diet books that were generally always aimed at, you know, women in their forties. Cause that was who bought diet books. Um, and there's only so many I could consume. And now it's like you flick through Instagram or you flick through uh, any social media, YouTube, whatever. It's like, man, you're exposed to so much information that like we can look at it and go, Oh yeah, obviously like you've got such great information, but they've actually definitely got way more shit information now as well you know and it's easily consumable and like people get a lot of hype for propagating like just properly shit information you know um because they're like oh well like you have this one weird trick and everyone else that you know like you said earlier on is more conservative in their approach and they're like oh yeah it's calories and macros once you're aware of those happy days um and then people are like oh no it's just this one random little thing that you have to actually look out out for and people want like they, they missed out on that kind of more liberal phase. So now they're kind of like searching for extra stuff, you know? Um, so I don't know. It's, it's hard to see where things will go in the future or whether they have it easier or harder um, now. But I definitely do enjoy the fact that we can coach people and be like, all right, let's put you on the path and have someone that's literally been in the gym <clears throat> a year or whatever. And they're like, and you're probably more jacked than I will ever be because you've had such a good exposure from the start. Yeah. I, I think um, to, to your point, I think for, for trainers and people working with people, I would, I definitely think it's probably superior to have made all the mistakes and gone through all those, you could say rites of passage because 
especially if you're someone who like actually puts out information, you've already had to wrestle with all of the ideas already. Like, for example, if you've been a hardcore low carber for a while and you've like recovered, <laughs> so you're now someone who like understands all the common arguments in the, the low carb community, let's say, um, then you actually understand them way better. And you understand why someone would get into, into like uh, believing all this stuff and saying that low carb is the only way or whatever. Um, and now you're actually stronger for it. It's actually made your argument stronger because you've believed them because you've had to really wrestle with them. And I think another thing like that I've been actually speaking with uh, one of my clients, who's a, a coach, a relatively new coach. Um, I've been speaking with him about it recently is he's someone who's almost always like never had any issue losing weight. Nutrition has never really been a problem for him because if he just kind of, if he just eats to his appetite, he just loses weight, no problem. Um, and recently what we've been doing is we've actually been trying to get him to a point that's beyond that. Like he's, he wants to really diet down and get proper lean. And basically along the way, he's been starting to encounter those experiences, you know, maybe wanting to, to eat a little bit more or go off track or, you know, have, have uh, some extra food, go, you know, be, have a little bit of a binge or whatever, you know, those types of things um, and experiencing the hunger and experiencing the bit of fatigue and all of those things actually help him then as a coach, because he's, he's not that he's making mistakes, but he's at least experienced the downside um, of, of that process. And I think if you haven't experienced things for yourselves, it's di- it, yourself, it's difficult to advise on it. Um, and that even goes for information. I think, you know, if you've encountered all of the arguments about clean eating or keto or low carb generally, or the paleo diet, et cetera, and you've done them all yourself, then when someone comes to you and they say, Hey, what are your thoughts on uh, the paleo diet? You're now in a position where you're saying, where you can actually say, yeah, I actually, um, I came across all these arguments before. Um, I actually tried this diet for a while. Here are some of the pros. Here are some of the cons. Um, and here's, here's some things that I think you could work on. And it actually gives the person a solution rather than, and I think this is very common nowadays. Again, we sound like old men, like in our twenties, but when, (laughs) when people are, let's say they kind of grew up as trainers with that school of thought of just, oh, it's calorie deficit, calories, macros, boom. And you think you have nutrition sorted then? Then when a client comes to you with maybe a novel argument from, let's say, the low-carb community or the why you should do a paleo diet or whatever, then you're, you've actually never had to even think about that and you think it's new. You're like, oh, is this, is this new? I, th- I thought, you know, all I've ever been exposed to is this idea that it's, it's kind of calories and macros and stuff. Like, what's all this about? And you might say, oh, that's all a myth, but you, you didn't actually think about it. You didn't actually, you know, look into it because you were only just thinking that this is my worldview. So there's pros and cons because obviously if you're giving someone the right information, like, there you go, that's fine. But, but I definitely think there is something to having made the mistakes along the way, especially if you're a trainer. Um, I don't know if you're just a, an everyday person, like if you just eat less, <laughs> eat less junk <laughs> and eat more fruits, vegetables, uh, lean meats, etc. like, you know, you're still going to get healthier. Yeah. And again, as I was saying earlier, like it, there is always this concept of what's old is new and what's new is old. It's like, yeah. it's just this constant cycle of like, and again, it can be really confusing when people come to different diets that are just repackaged old information, you know, like people, again, they think that, IFYM is some magical thing. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's only in the last like 20 years, we'll say that people have been really like been able to track their calories and stuff. I'm like, if you actually dig back into this, people were doing this at the turn of the last century, like 1900, 
you know like you think because you have your app that does it for you you know it's like no people were doing this before then they used to have little log books with different food amounts with different calories and stuff in them it's like the the method has changed but we had the information you know this is not new information people are like oh calories and macros blah 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 i'm like mate this is literally 120 years old at least you know it's like this is not new information you might be it might be new information for you or you know how it's presented might be new information but it's not new information you know and again people have been eating forever (laughs) so you know like they've been navigating the diet and yeah maybe that's just navigating food availability which was you know nil um at times but they've been navigating it and making things more or less beneficial for their goals you know um but yeah it's a uh, it's interesting when you you think about this stuff um but like you said i do think that a, a bit of challenge in people's lives especially coaches like i think that actually does go a long way in terms of for sure actually making you a better coach you know like if you've never experienced challenge and again like this is one of those things that like challenge is good pretty much across the board uh because most people don't experience actual challenge and hardship in their lives these days like obviously it's like, oh, well, like, you know, you have to get a job and you have to do whatever. And maybe they do experience some like financial challenge, especially like this year. Um, but like you see what's come out of it. Like even if you look at like the number of companies that are made, like have been made in America this year, you know, like they're up like by thousands. So like once like hardship is like the, the mother of invention. They always say like war is the, the mother of invention, but it's like, that's just hardship to the extreme. Like any hardship will do it you know um so i think a little bit of hardship whatever that is like even if it's just challenging yourself being like right i start training weight class athletes i'm going to become a weight class athlete myself you know it's like that helps it actually puts some like skin in the game and makes you be like all right cool i actually have to experience what these people are experiencing as well you know um and again like obviously like you can't have all of the experiences in the world you know like you just simply can't like i'm never going to be pregnant (laughs) you know um so like there is obviously that aspect of it where you can still discuss information even if you know you don't have the experience with that specifically you can have experience we'll say adjacent to that like i've coached people that are pregnant i have sisters that were pregnant again like people in my family like to have lots of kids so you know pregnancy has been around a lot of the time that I've been alive, you know? And so like, there's obviously experience there and you pick up different things, but I'm never actually going to physically feel what it feels like to be pregnant, you know? So basically what I'm saying is yes, you should have some hardship in your life and experience is great. It's not the be all and end all, but it definitely is additive. Yeah. And I think like one tip for people there as well is like, there, there are obviously some cases where you simply can't, get experience like for example if you grew up in a really wealthy household you know a lot of the 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 things people will say is oh i'll never understand what it's like for people to you know live in a with low socioeconomic status or to grow up in a housing estate like we did or whatever but like the 
the research is there. Like you can actually read qualitative research on this stuff, which is actually quite interesting in some cases. And, and like, I, I read quite a bit of it as it relates to, to physio and pain and stuff like that. Cause I think it's interesting, but you qualitative research is basically a type of research where rather than trying to like quantify things, like let's say, for example, saying fasting blood glucose or whatever, you're basically asking the person about their, their experience or that's part of it. So for example, if someone grew up in, let's say, a housing estate and they had significant financial strain and you know you can actually read about like what's their level of nutrition education so then you're not left saying things like oh you know these people just don't know what to eat you know they don't know what healthy foods are because if you actually read the research and like qualitative research you see that oh yeah people actually do know what healthy foods are like people are, are not you know that stupid people know that you should eat more fruits and vegetables and stuff so so you can kind of outsource um, experience or at least understand someone else's perspective from reading qualitative research. But at the same time, again, I will never know what it feels like to menstruate. <laughs> you know, um, it's just, it's not going to happen. I can read qualitative research on that and, you know, I can speak to women in my life, etc. But, uh, but yeah, I'll, I won't ever have to feel it. I don't think. Fair. I thought you were a woman this whole time, but no. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I have nothing else to say on this topic. Well, I actually have multiple other things that we could say on this topic, but, you know, there's a, a time limit to how long I can actually spend looking at you, Gary. Um, yep. So where can people find us, et cetera, all that stuff. Yeah, as always, guys, number of things you could do to engage with us. If you're a coach and you would like to uh, move up in the world in terms of upskilling and learning about things like anatomy, how you can apply it to exercise, learning about applied coaching case studies, getting coaching documentation to make the coaching process more efficient, uh, having cues that you can put straight into your exercise programs, learning about nutrition theory and how to coach it, etc. All that stuff is available in the Coach's Corner, which is our membership site uh, for coaches slash personal trainers, whatever you prefer. Um, and also interested trainees, you know, uh, some people have asked us that I've got a message on Instagram this week asking, you know, Oh, is it just for coaches or can I join up if I'm interested? And of course you can join up if you're interested. And there's also like a, a couple of, a couple of physios in there, people who I know who are studying nutrition, one or two who are practicing nutrition, but not personal training. So yeah, there's, there's absolutely scope in there for you to just join up. If you're just interested in these things, um, it is information with implementation. There are additional things that are specific to coaches, but ultimately the, the information is useful regardless. So you can sign up to that um, linked below. If you just like to kind of keep up with the content that we are producing in terms of our articles, our podcasts, etc., cetera, um, and also the, the weekly uh, essay or post that we put out in the newsletter, you can subscribe to the triage method newsletter, which you'll find linked below. Um, we also share like resources that we think might be helpful beyond our content there. So that's a nice reason to, to sign up. Even if you don't like us, you know, that's fine. You can subscribe to the triage method community as well, or join the triage method community, I should say, which is our open access Facebook group. So, you know, people engage with us there asking questions. You know, we had a question recently about, you know, some, uh, someone had, you know, developed knee pain during the course of a training cycle. Someone else wanted to, uh, get advice on training towards a half marathon while keeping around his muscle mass. So like, these are the th types of things we deal with in that group. We'll answer your question, no problem. And if it's something that we think is worth answering on the podcast, we'll do that as well. And we also share any, any articles that we've written recently in there. We don't always put them straight on our social media because we kind of just rip them out over time or share them on the newsletter. Uh, but that's a good place to make sure you're, you're uh, on top of everything that we're putting out. If you're someone who's just like, 
wants to, as we said, skip all the bullshit and get on the path to, you know, improving your diet and improving your training, we do have coaching spaces available. So if you'd like to work with myself or Patty, um, you can do that. Um, again, as always, we cater to a number of goals. And I think a common theme across our coaching practice is that we try to get to people, get people to overcome kind of the bullshits and the fa- the bullshit and the fads, etc., so that you don't have to go through those those things. And we actually try to, you know, get you to a point where your diet and your training is actually appropriate for your current lifestyle, and that it's going to be sustainable for years. That's that's mainly one of the main things that we look for. Um, so yeah, if that's you, then you can sign up uh, for coaching. Other than that, of course, we have. Uh, social media platforms and a YouTube channel. You can find us on triage at triage method on YouTube. You can find us at triage method on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram would recommend following on Twitter. We are going to do kind of one post per week. That is a little bit longer form uh, that is specific to Instagram. So if you're not following there, I would recommend uh, that you do so. But other than that, um, I think that is everything that we have to offer you. And as always, if you'd like to Uh, promote the podcast we always appreciate it when you share it in your story on instagram so do that um it's probably the best platform for sharing things um but 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 you know if you want to share it on facebook share it on twitter or whatever do it you know and leave a review and and we'd really appreciate that and it is as always too easy too easy